We are back in the book of Galatians. We have finished the first four chapters. We have chapter 5 and 6 to go. And we're going to get as far as verse 1 tonight. <laughs> we're going to get there. We're going to get verse 1 done tonight of uh, chapter 5. We'll have, some, we'll have some fun with it in there. In, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul's been talking a lot about freedom. And the freedom that they were in, what they're going back to. He was talking about how the, in their natural, they were uh, under tutors and so forth until the time appointed by the Father. And then once they were appointed, reached that appointed age, they were made uh, heirs, even though they were sons before, even though they were children of the house before. Now they are legitimate heirs. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 reads this way, Stand, fa- stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The word here for stand fast is the Greek word stako, and it means to be stationary, to persevere, and to stand fast. To be stationary, to persevere, and to stand fast. This is actually the perfect tense of the Greek word histemi, which is much more commonly used. But in the perfect tense, when you have a perfect tense in the Greek, it, we don't have an English equivalent. If you remember the the tenses in the perfect tense, like the work of Christ on the cross, it is a past completed action having continual results. And, and this is what this is. It's talking about stand fast, a past completed action that has continuing ongoing results. So we have we need to stand fast. We've made a stand in the past. We need to, to have that continue to have ongoing results. Stand fast is used other places here too. Uh, I just looked up the Greek word, not necessarily the, the term stand fast. But in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. In Philippians 1, 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whatever, uh, whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Therefore, my beloved... And long for brethren in Philippians 4.1. My joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and 8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, if we look at the things here he was talking about standing fast on. In the first one. Stand fast in 1 Corinthians 16.13. Watch. Stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. When you're told to be stand fast in the faith, then there are things that are going to come against you to try and get you off of that stand. When you are standing fast in faith, what are some of the things that would come against you? Well, doubt would be one. Fear would be another. Works, trying to get us into works instead of into faith. There are a number of things that come against us. The enemy tries to coerce us to get involved in these other things so that we don't stand our ground, so that we we give in and pull back from that. Or just to get us weak to the point that we can be, our, our feet can be taken out from under us. So when he's saying stand fast, we need to be alert that the enemy is trying to get us off of this stand. So when we have that stand, he says, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave. And be strong. There are things that are going to come against you in that. You need to be watching out. When we stand in faith, we need to watch out because things are going to come along to try and take you out. I'm sure that you, you know, we get the mature crowd that comes out on Wednesday night. Not all. I'm not saying that only, the, not all of them, but, you know, generally only mature people like to come out on, on Wednesday night, especially on rainy Wednesday nights. Right? Not everybody wants to come out of that. But when, when you have a, um, a, a mature person, and you sometimes look at some of the ones that are around you that are immature. And it seems like, you know, uh, even when we were, we were here with the meetings with uh, Jay and Tammy, we had other people come from other places and things. Did you notice how some people couldn't make a stand from one day to another? Did that come out and did you notice that? That we're making a stand, all right, I got healed, I got this, I got this thing done, and the next day we're back with it again. Why? Because we don't know how to make a stand. I'm not saying this because they're not taught that in their church. We don't know. whether They could be just in that church for a couple of weeks. <laughs> you don't know. They may be being taught great principles, but they just haven't got a hold of them just yet. 
But, um, you know, so we, we don't know. We have some people in this church, and they're pretty, we have some weak people in this church. That's not because they uh, haven't been around long enough. It's just because some people just don't take it in. As we're talking about with the parables, you know, the, the seed comes and uh, immediately goes away. You all know this from yourself. How many times have you counseled with a person? How many times have you talked with a person? How many times have you encouraged a person? And the next day, where are they at? Right back where they were before. They can't make a stand. You try and get them to, to stand up. You try and get them to do something. And they, they can't make a stand. They always find excuses and, and reasons to not make a to not make a stand to to not do some things. There was a there was a, a war movie that was out. I know Gettysburg has been overdone. There's all kinds of movies that were done, but one of the last ones they did with it, I thought was really good. I'll have to get with Corey to find out which one it was. He'll probably know better than I was. But they did this um, the, the, one of the more recent remakes of this. They were really emphasizing the um, I believe the battle was the, the separating the thirds. There was the center and the, and the two two wings. And the Confederates decided we're going to try and rush this one side. I think it was the, the Confederates' left side, the uh, Union's right side, if I'm correct. And, on, uh, and they were going to try and make an end. They threw everything at that end because they knew if we can get past it, we can get on around, we can compromise the whole thing. So these guys realized we have got to hold this line. And they were outnumbered. They, uh, th- th- there was a lot of things that were against them. And so they, they shot all the ammo that they had. And then at the last thing, they said, all right, now we've got to make a bayonet charge. And they had a, I think they had, didn't they have to charge uphill? Were they charging downhill? The Confederates charged uphill or downhill? Were they? Okay. I thought it was the other way around that one. But whatever it was, they, they, um, they held it. it, it came clo- they came real close to breaking. But they realized we can't, if we break, if we give this up, the whole thing is lost. And, you know, that was a, that was a turning point in the war. And that was a huge part of the war. And, and they were able to hold that. And they had this, the South had invested everything in breaching that side. And when it didn't come about, it pretty much sealed that the, the victory would be, would be the unions. They would come on through with that. But they were trying to get them to get off of their stand. And even though they could come up with a whole lot of excuses why they didn't have to do this, why it would be acceptable to fail, they said, no, we cannot fail. We will not fail. We will make this... This charge, I think they, well, in the movie anyway, I think they did something about to the last man. I don't care if it's the last man standing, we're still going to make making the stand. And But they made the stand, and they, they held them back. The, the enemy wants to come against you. He wants to make you think you can't make this stand. That you're the only one who's making this stand. And you don't have to do this. He's going to come all kinds of ways to try and get you to compromise. To get you to soften. To get you to lessen your... your uh, your stance on this thing and to give in and you know for some of us we've when we were first born again first got involved in faith you know we had 24 hour endurance and you know we we fed on the word and we got stronger we got the seven day endurance and then we got the two week endurance and then you know we it got longer and longer and we got better and better at standing to the point that we don't even think about no i i'm making it i'll die making this stand <laughs> I'm, I'm making this stand. This is what we're going to do. Stand, face in the, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. When you fight in this way, you will have to be brave and you will have to be strong. Because forces are going to come against you to try and make you afraid. Try and make you be cowardly. Try and make you draw back. Try and make you feel weak. Try and make you think that you cannot get this done. But you can you can. You've got to look yourself in the mirror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the enemy is not more powerful than my God. And the word that I stand on is far more powerful than anything the enemy can throw at me. But if the enemy can get us to think that the word is not more powerful, the word is not working, it's not working for us, it's not having its uh, effect that it needs to have, if he can get us to do that, he can get us to soften on this stand. But he said... what. One of the things here, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. So where this word is used, of one place, stand in the faith. Make that you're in the faith, stand in it. Don't compromise your faith for healing. Don't compromise your, your faith for prosperity, for provision that God's going to take care of you. Don't compromise your faith in that you are saved, in that there is a heaven, in that the word is real. Stand fast in your faith. Don't let it go. Know what you believe and hang on to that. 
and don't let it go. If God gives you revelation on something else, then you can go after that. But make sure it's God. Because too often, the enemy comes as an angel of light. And he tries to get us to, oh, look at that. And we pursue another, another idea. And don't, uh, don't be doing that. Philippians 1.27, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. There is a unity. Now, it doesn't mean that we all agree. But there is a unity. I can, be, I can have unity with other people who don't necessarily believe in faith the way that I believe, don't necessarily believe in end times the way that I believe in end times, don't necessarily believe in different things like I do. Maybe they don't believe in tithing. Maybe they don't, whatever it might be, there may be things that we disagree on, but we can still stand fast in the faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has forgiven me of my sins, and we're, we're going to heaven, and we've got a place to get to. I mean, that's enough right there to, to have union on. That's enough right there to be in agreement on. And we need to be in, a, in agreement with that. See, it's, it's kind of like when, a, uh, when you get a whole lot of football fans together in one room, we can focus on our differences. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a whatever, Green Bay fan, whatever team you, you got. And then we begin to focus on our differences and we begin to cheer for what is ours. But in the end, we're all football fans. And we enjoy the game of football. And really, if you could just sit on down and enjoy the game of football and let the Green Bay fan be the Green Bay fan and the San Francisco fan be the San Francisco fan and the Oakland fan be the Oakland fan and the, uh, whoever else is, uh, is out there, let them be a fan. That's their team. And, and, and not to get all, all personal about it. It's the same thing in the, in the body of Christ. Well, if they want to believe that you know, the tribulation is different from what you believe, that's fine. It's going to happen the way it's going to happen. Whether, you, whether they believe right or whether they believe wrong. It's going to happen the way it's going to happen. That's it's, it's all right. And, you know, they may believe that heaven is, is uh, one way and you may believe heaven is a, is a different way. Well, that's okay. What's, what's important is that we're going there. That's the important part. And so we've got to focus on, hey, we're, we're all in the family of Christ. Not that, well, we're of the, the uh, house of faith and we're of the house of this and we're of the house of that. Now, Paul is dealing with some things here in Galatians that, hey, we, we've separated from the gospel here. This is, this is a whole different gospel. We get into folks like that. All right, we're going to make a separation. If you believe, oh, you know, Jesus is a way. No, 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 no. Uh, we part company then. Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way. The word is not a good book. The word is the book. It is, it is truth. It doesn't contain truth. I'll, I'll separate with people. I'll, I'll sever fellowship with people over those issues. Absolutely. But, you know, I can, I can have fellowship with people that believe in a different tribulation, different timing in the tribulation. I can have fellowship with uh, uh, different folks who have uh, views on millennium, kingdom, and, and when it comes, and, and so forth. These things shouldn't divide us. we just got to keep those things in mind. But he says here, stand fast in one spirit. We are all in the body of Christ. As Paul put it, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Doesn't matter, uh, no nationality. What matters is we are of the body of Christ. Doesn't matter whether you were born of Abraham's seed or you are not born of Abraham's seed. Because he says all are Abraham's seed if we're in faith. So here's, a, here's the thing. Make sure you do this stand. Well, things are going to come against that, aren't they? I mean, even, even in today, we're always seeing things that are trying to get us to focus on our differences. Instead of on our, our sameness. We've got, we got a media that constantly hounds us on the differences between Americans. There's this group of Americans. There's this group of Americans. There's this group of Americans. And know what? We're all Americans. And if the country prospers, guess who prospers? <laughs> Americans. If the country goes to war, guess who goes to war? Americans. We, I mean, that's what we need to focus on. We are all Americans. We are a big melting pot in this, in this country, more so than any other country around. Glory to God. We've got, got differences. But we have a government that represents all Americans. We have a health care system that represents... I mean, if, if you're sick as an American, you're sick as an American. Not as a particular type of American. And, but see, that's what they want to get us to focus on. Are you a poor American? Are you a middle class American? Are you a rich American? Are you in the upper 1%? Are you in the middle 50%? In the bottom 20%? Because 
We're, and they're trying to get us to focus on our, on our money, on our job, or what you're driving, or what kind of house, or what kind of neighborhood, or are you in the city, or are you in the suburb, or in the rural area. And these are not things to focus on. We are all Americans. Things are going to come against you to try and pull you apart. And the enemy is no different. He's going to try and come against you to get you to think that, well, those, those believers don't really stand with you. Those believers don't, aren't really on your side. Don't buy into it. Make a stand. He's telling you right here, this is something that the enemy is going to try and pull you down from. But make a stand. Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. This is a tough stand to make, especially, I'm sure they have all kinds of things all through it. When Paul was writing, stand fast in the Lord, well, you had the, the, the greatest opposition was they wanted you to stand fast in Caesar. And if you didn't stand fast in Caesar, they wanted to kill you. In some places, more so than others. You needed to bow and, and worship Caesar. No, you needed to stand fast in the Lord. Now we're trying to get all kinds of compromises. Well, all religions are good. You can't say that you have the only one. You need to be open to all these. No, stand fast in the Lord. We need to stand fast in that. We will have opposition. We will have people that come against us and try and get us to soften on that. Well, you know, there's many ways to get saved. There's many ways to, to, to get to heaven. God won't send good people to, to hell. All these kind of things to come in. No, stand fast in the Lord. If the Lord said this, if the Lord said Jesus is the way, we need to stand fast in that. And not to, we're, we, we are part of the Lord's family. We're not part of Allah's family. We're not part of all these other gods that are out there. We are part of Jehovah God. That's our Father. Jesus Christ, His Son, is our Savior. And we need to stand for that. Because we're going to see more and more pressure put on the body of Christ to get off of this stand. And don't do it. Stay with it. Then uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 8 says the same thing. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. <laughs> There's an if then. You, you need to make that stand. Stand in the Lord. Don't get out. Jesus says that uh, he, he's ta- exhorting his people. He says, if you confess me before others, I'll confess you before God. And see, that's the important part. It's, um, it, it, it's not just... You know, to be, it's not, the thing is not to be that we would know Christ. That's not the big deal. The big deal is not that we know Christ. The big deal is that Christ knows us. That's the, that's the huge part. Does Christ know us? Well, how's he going to know you? Well, he says, if you, stay, if you make a confession of me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. I guess that means he knows us, right? Remember the uh, judgment of nations? Depart from me, for I never knew you. <laughs> it's more important for us to be known by Christ than for us to know Him. All these people go around and say, well, I know about God. Yeah, you do. But does He know about you? <laughs> well, God knows everybody. Well, apparently not. Because in the mouth of Jesus Christ Himself, that's what He said. All right, so now He goes on in Second Thessalonians 2.15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. So he's, he's saying, the things that we taught you when we were there, the things that we taught you in the letters that we sent. And Paul is talking about what he taught them about the new church age. He's talking about things that he taught them. He's talking about things that the epistles taught them. He's not talking about traditions of the Jews because he's primarily writing to Gentile churches. So the traditions he's telling them are the things that he taught them about the new covenant, the new age of the church. These are the things. He says you need to hang on to those because there were Jewish people who were trying to get to pull them into these old traditions. He says what traditions you ought to stick with are the ones I told you. That's what you ought to stick with. Because these things are coming against them, trying to pull them in, trying to guilt them in trying to get them to, to, to go in through works or, or whatever it might be, deception. But don't. He says, stand fast. Hold on to these kind of things. How many of you had certain things that you learned when you were younger in the Lord, if you were saved for a long period of time? And when you got to find out what the life of faith is, what life in the Spirit is, what the gifts of the Spirit are, 
you had to unlearn some things. You had to get rid of some things. Well, don't go back into them. You know, how many of us still have that tradition that was taught to us in the uh, denominational churches that we were at that you need to pray long and hard? Right? And, and still we'll, we'll find ourselves going back to it. Well, I prayed a whole hour about that thing. And, and tr- tr- truly, the longer you pray, the more trouble you're going to get into. Because after about two minutes, you're going to get out of faith and get into works. I still love what Paul says. I make mention of you in my prayers. <laughs> if prayers don't have to be long. Because we're not talking God into doing anything. We're just putting God in remembrance of his word and giving God an open door. That's it. That don't take long to do. How long does it take to say, come in? If somebody comes knocking at the door, you don't have to try and talk them into moving inside. They knocked on the door. They wanted to come in. So you say, come in. And they come in. If you watch Star Trek, Captain would say, come. (laughs) Even shorten it up even more than that. But whatever... We're not talking God into stuff. Pray short. Pray often. Pray shorter. Have plenty of communion with God. But if you're asking God for things, keep it short. We get into trouble if we don't. But we can get back into the old traditions. You know, sometimes we we have uh, this idea of a prayer meeting. We all come together and pray. We pray about one thing for an hour. Why? We trying to talk God into doing, doing this thing? Did we find out what the will of God was before we started praying? We've got to get rid of some of that stuff. So Paul is telling this. You hold on to the things I taught you. You hold on to the things that I wrote to you about. Don't get into this other stuff. Stand fast. Because there are things that are trying to pull you out. Here in Galatians, he talks about stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in the liberty. There's a freedom. There's a liberty that we have been brought into. When other people see that freedom, they see that liberty, they get jealous of it. They get mad. And they try and pull you out to the same bondage that they're in. I heard somebody say this. I, I, it was meant to be a joke. But they say, you know why married people are always trying to get single people married off? They're trying to bring them into the same misery they're in. <laughs> it was meant to be humorous, but you kind of get the idea. A lot of times you hear married people talk about their marriages and they, they talk very disrespectfully, very damp, but they're still trying out to pull other people into this thing. Why? Why would you want to pull somebody into something that you're not enjoying yourself? But you see, a lot of people that are in bondage try and pull people that are free into the same bondage that they're in. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 see the word stand used quite a bit here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Not one of those words is the word we just looked at before. Every single one of those words for stand is not the perfect uh, tense of it. It's the the normal tense of of this. And it goes back to the other uh, histamine. But it's it's still the same word. It's just not a past action having present results. It is a continuing action that you need to do now. So he's telling them to stand. You are in that fight right now. Now make that, put this armor on. They are coming against you. You're going to have to make a stand. See, that's a little more present tense. You're going to have to make a stand. The enemy is coming. You need to put this armor on so that you are equipped, so that you are ready, that when he comes, you are able to make that stand. And after you've done everything, stand. Don't give up. Stand. There's a whole lot to be said for standing. I put in your outline, a good deal of our described battle with the enemy is standing against him. A lot of times we have a different vision of our battle with the enemy. But a whole lot of our battle with the enemy is described in the Word of God as standing. He is trying to get you so that you are not standing. But all you need to do is continue to stand. Just, and standing doesn't just mean that you're upright. 
You are on the principles that you are supposed to be on. And you're not being moved. You persevere. You endure, as the word means. You continue to persevere. You continue to endure. Things are going to come against you when you make the stand. Don't give in. If you make a stand for healing, Father God, I believe that I received my healing when hands were laid on me. When I believed, when I said, whatever it is that you did, I believe I received my healing. But then tomorrow, a pain comes up. A thought comes in. What do you do? Stand. I believe I've received my healing. A person who wavers, well, I guess I need to pray again. I guess I need to ask God to do a complete work. Don't be doing it. Make a stand. Make a stand. So he says, Stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. By which Christ has made us free. The Greek word order for this verse is actually this way. And some translations bear it out. In freedom, Christ us has freed. Stand therefore and not again in a yoke of bondage be held fast. I, I read this over and I, I'm not a big Star, Star Wars fan, but it reminds me of Yoda. <laughs> and the way that it keeps changing around the, the thing. I know that more from the people who imitate Yoda than, and, and things like that. But in freedom, Christ us has freed. Stand therefore and not again in a yoke of bondage be held fast. Doesn't that sound like Yoda? <laughs> Stand therefore and not again in a yoke of bondage be held fast. Well, in the, Christ has made us free. It really starts out this way. In freedom, Christ, us, has freed. In freedom, Christ, us, has freed. I got uh, brought my Williams New Testament over. I have looked and I have looked and I have looked. And I have not found a single place where the Williams translation is available on the internet or in a digital copy anywhere. The only thing you can get, find this, the only way I can find this is that I found finally today, I was looking again, trying to do it. I found a PDF version of it. And you can flip the pages just like you would a book, but you cannot copy it. <laughs> you cannot highlight and copy it. So I can't copy it out and put it in my outline. It says, this is the freedom with which Christ has made us free. So keep on standing in it and stop letting your, uh, your necks be fastened in the yoke of slavery again. This is the freedom with which Christ has made us free. So keep on standing in it and stop letting your necks be fastened to the yoke of slavery Again, well, that was a good rendition. Certainly, it captures the uh, the right order of how it was. And there's a number of other ones that have. Uh, I looked at the message, and the message actually captured the the uh, true Greek word order, and that, and a few others that are out there as, as well. Well, in uh, three verses in chapter four, verse thirty and thirty-one, and here in verse one of chapter five, Paul uses a form of the word freedom four times. In three verses, to drive home the point that salvation is by grace and not by works. And that we are called to freedom and not to the bondage that the law would bring. Christ came to make us free. But if we don't stay in it, what does that say to him? If you came over to help somebody in something that they were undertaking and they shunned it, and they didn't, they didn't take advantage of it, and they didn't care, what would you think? We, we would get hurt. I, I came over here to help. I came over here to do this. In fact, I did all this. For, God, God did something. He freed us. If he comes all the way over to us to free us, why would we go back? Why would we go back and do that? Christ came to this earth, lived on this earth for 33 and a half years overcame sin, overcame temptation, died on a cross for us, was beaten, bled, died, buried, raised again for the purpose of freeing us. And if we, after we are freed, go back again to what he freed us from, what does that tell him? 
And yet the people who want to promote that are, well, you're, you're too proud. You shouldn't be saying that you're healed. You shouldn't be saying that you're set free. You shouldn't be saying, what do you mean? Christ did it. He did it for me. Because he did it for me, I'm grateful. And I'm going to live in what he made available for me to show him that I appreciate it. You know, it'd be like if your kids were going to, we we're talking about the cost of, of college before. If, if you made a way, you paid for four years for your son or daughter to go to college and they showed up on the first day and said, I don't deserve this. And moved out of the dorm <laughs> and lived on the street because they didn't deserve it. And you think they're still over there learning and they're not. They don't feel that they deserve it. You're still paying the money, but they're not going and then you find out about it. What do you think? Are you happy? Boy, I am so, not, so glad that you have that attitude of humility. No, we're thinking, no, well, I, I did all this for you. And, and you're not going to take advantage. Why were you not there? Why were you not studying? If you want to show that you appreciate it, study it. Put yourself, put your mind to it. Let's get it going. Oh. Christ came to set us free. We've got we to gotta stay on that. He says here, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We were in bondage before. Don't go back. We were in bondage. That's why he came to get us out of that bondage. Don't go back to it. What would happen to a slave who became free then went back to being a slave? If you were a slave and somebody outside came and made you free... And you were free from that enslavement, but then you wandered back into that enslaved campment and came underneath the slave owner again. What would the slave owner be doing? Would he be nicer to you now? What would the slave owner do now that he's got you back? The slavery would be greater. The bondage would be greater. You're not getting out of here again. You got out once. We're not going to let you get out of here again, right? God didn't keep us in bondage. The enemy did. If we get freed from it and then come back in under it, the bondage would be even greater than we were in before. The bondage would be made greater, stronger. Be simply because of this. When we were in bondage before, we longed to get out. We couldn't wait to get out. And when we were made free, but then we wandered back in, now the way to get free, we've already shunned. We've already despised. When it comes along again, what do we say? Well, that didn't work for me before came along before and I'm still here. So the what would set me free, I will shun now. So the bondage is even greater. And the oppression from the enemy would be even stronger. Don't go back to it. And Paul's afraid for these folks. That's why you, you see why Paul's afraid for them. If you're going to go back under this bondage, the bondage you're going to be under now is going to be greater than the bondage you were in before. And getting you back out of that is going to be even harder. Because of your mindset. Not because of God, but because of your mindset. It's going to be that much harder. If Israel had their way in the wilderness and they said, let's go back to Egypt, if they went back to Egypt and the Egyptians say, glory to God, come on in, tell you what, we're going to give you better houses. Uh, we're going to give you a lighter work day. We're going to give you more olives and Greeks or garlic and leeks. And uh, we're going to give you all more of these things because we just so, we just realized how much we really appreciate it. And anytime you want to go anywhere, you just go ahead and come on back when you want. Would they do that? No, they're not going to do that. And neither is going to happen if we go back under bondage. So stay free. Don't go back under that. And there's all kinds of things we can pull, come back into bondage with. It's not just health, healing, prosperity, and stuff like that. I mean, we've been made free in the area of forgiveness. We go back under bondage by not forgiving other people. That's a bad place to be. Don't do it. There's all kinds of things we can get back into bondage for. In fact, that's even the parable that Jesus gave. They said the guy was in bondage. Put him in jail. If we go back to what we were freed from, we will be in far worse shape than we were before. For how shall we again be made free? How shall we again be made free? That's going to be a tough thing to, to do. Well, there's... Um, I obviously left them out of mind. Can I borrow your, your outline there on the side?
because I actually left these out and I had to go back there and, and get them. So uh, what are some of the reasons that we are, are moved? What are some of the reasons that we would get moved off of our stand? Because obviously there's some reason. The devil has to come up with a reason to get us to be moved. Right? If, if I'm happy where I am, I'm not going to move. I'm going to stay right here. But obviously, for some reason, I'm, I'm not happy with where I'm at. So how is it that we can get to be moved off of these things? So we gave you a couple of different things. You can probably come up with other ones as well. How is it that we get pulled into these things? He's got to get us first off to become unsatisfied with where we are. This isn't in your out. You don't have to fill this in. But we had to become unsatisfied with where we are. Otherwise, we would continue to stand. So he's got to sow, and all he can do is sow thoughts. So he's got to sow thoughts that get me to be unsatisfied with my stand and where I am. So the first thing, the reason to move is to be productive. He's going to sow the thought, it's not working for you. You're not healed. You're not prosperous. You're not healthy. You're not whole. You're not an overcomer. You're not the head all these different things. He's going to come in and he's going to sow these thoughts. If you are truly prosperous, wouldn't this be so? If you were truly healthy, wouldn't this be so? How come this is this way? So we begin to think, all right, I've got to be more productive. And he'll begin to sow the thought, if you want to become more productive, you're going to have to do this. If you want the word of God to produce for you, you're going to have to do this. And he begins to pull us into a place of works. We're not standing fast on faith. We're being pulled into works because we're unsatisfied. Here's a case in point with that. When you had Abraham, Abraham became dissatisfied with standing in faith for the promise. And so his wife came to him and says, look, here's a way that this, this can work. It was a works way. We could be more productive if we went this direction. And that wasn't so good, was it? But see, that's a thing, that's a thought that he will sow into us. Begin to think, oh, you're not productive. You're not doing what you are, are supposed to do. How many times, times do you think Jeremiah had to make a stand against this? You're not very productive. People aren't getting saved. Miracles aren't happening. People aren't coming to hear the word. If you want to be more productive, you've got to be like these other prophets. Make some compromises. Become relevant. And he didn't do it. It was not an easy stand to make. But that's the first, that's one way that, it, that he'll do it. Not necessarily the first, but that's a way. He's going to tempt you to become more productive. And you can become more productive by not making this stand and going in a direction like Abraham went. So here's another one. To stay relevant. How many times we hear this anymore? Well, the church has to be relevant. And, you know, we'll have to probably change some, some things. On this, you know, I I do enjoy this show. I think I made mention of it before, but um, I'm a Tom Selleck fan for one. I enjoy the I enjoy the guy as an actor. But his uh, show Blue Bloods, uh, when they just had one of the recent things, they had the whole homosexual deal come up into the um, into the show. And his uh, idea was he thinks the church ought to become more relevant. He said that to one of the leaders in the church, and then it said it to the news people as well. And I think go over so well. Become more relevant. Well, you know, the times are changing. Well, the word doesn't change. What is wrong is wrong. I was uh, out running uh, last Sunday after church, and I was beginning to ponder some of these things. And uh, we'll get into some of this on, on Sunday, give you guys a little, little heads up on it. Um, but you know how Jesus would be asked questions, relevant questions? And he would get people mad. <laughs> he got people mad. I mean, that's, he was able to do that. But... He was able to answer them in such a way that they didn't focus on the answer. They didn't focus on, uh, well, you're, you are leaving these people out or you're not being very gracious to these folks. They got mad at the answer because they couldn't do anything about the answer. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the God, the things that are God. How do you answer that? How do you, how do you pick that apart? And we've had a lot of ministers, and you know, down in Houston... Calling in all the sermons. We want to see what they're... Now, now of course, they changed it. Well, we're not calling in their sermons. We're calling in their speeches. I heard that one. 
What's a sermon? I mean, by their definition, would they not call a sermon a speech? It's done in a public forum. <laughs> but they want all their, all their sermons because uh, this, this lady who's a nut. Uh, Ted Cruz has been going after her and, and the governor, Governor Pratt, I haven't heard hidden, I'm, I know he's said things. I, I don't know what he has said. I've heard Ted Cruz on it. I love Ted Cruz. I hope he runs for president. I enjoy that guy. Um, but we're going we're gonna to see this going on. How is it that we're going to answer these questions? When they come on in and they say, what do, you, what do you believe about homosexuals? Do you believe they're going to heaven or hell? It came to Jesus with the same questions. Should she be stoned or not? She was in sin. Should she be stoned or not? Is it, is it lawful to pay taxes or not? Should we give money to the great evil Rome or not? So they were given very relevant questions to Jesus, but the way that they were going from there is different from the way they're coming from us. When we sit down and we give them an answer, it's not coming. So I asked, like, I was running, I'm asking God, says, God, how, how are we supposed to answer that question? But without seeming like we are putting distance between the church and the sinners. Because how is a homosexual going to get freed from sin if they don't come into the church? If they don't come to God, how are they going to get free? And how are we, spo- are we supposed to then just uh, let them come on in and, and, and be home? What are we supposed to do? So I had a conversation like this with God. We'll get into that on, we'll get into that on Sunday. Because uh, um, there is a way to answer this. I think there is a way to, to do this. Um, I mean, how did, how did God, how did Jesus, when he was down here on earth, how did he know how to answer them? Same way he told us we would. He said, give it no thought what you're going to answer when they put you on trial. Holy Spirit will give you words to speak when you need to. And I believe that he will. So that's one of the things you've got to stay relevant. And he's going to try and get us to compromise and to, to, to well, you can't stand fast in the Lord because the people who are making a stand for Allah, they're going to heaven too. And that's what the world's going to tell us. You can't make that stand just because they're not in your church, just because they're not in the Christian church doesn't mean that they aren't going to heaven. They're going to, they're going to come at you this way, but you've got to make that stand in the Lord. There's one thing to be relevant. That's all good to be, be relevant, but don't move away from the word. You've got to stay on the, the word. Jesus stayed with the word, and he stayed relevant. All right, here's the third one. To avoid persecution. When you stand on the word, you will be persecuted. That's why you got armor. That's why God said, put this armor on through Paul. Paul says, put on the whole armor. Don't leave anything off because you're going to make a stand. They're going to come after you. Jesus said you're going to have persecutions. So one of the reasons that we move is to avoid persecutions. We'll find out, you know what? If I just back off of that stand just a little bit, people aren't as mad at me. They don't come after me as much. They seem to like me. (laughs) We're going to do it to avoid persecution. Persecution from the enemy, persecution from the world, persecution even from the church. Next one, to overcome discouragement. I can become discouraged making that stand. Seems like I'm standing and I'm standing and I'm standing. God, I feel like I'm standing alone. Become like Elijah. I alone. The only one left. I'm making a stand. God, I'm making a stand for you. I'm making a bold stand. You know what? No one else is making a stand. I'm the only one making a stand. And I'm getting discouraged making this stand. No one else is here. It doesn't even seem like you're helping me out. That's where you can get to. So to overcome discouragement, we want to back off of that stand. Don't do it. There's the last one that I wrote down. I'm sure there's other ones. You, you spend some time thinking on this. You can find some other reasons the uh, enemy comes along to move you. To become popular. We all like to be liked. And to become popular, we may want to, well, I'll just move off of this stand. If I just move off of this stand, people will like me. <sighs> no, they won't. You just won't be the focus of attention anymore. Right now, they just got to get you to change. Right now, they just got to get you to move. We've got a lot of things that are coming against the church, a lot of things that are coming against us. We've got all this stuff going on with Ebola and fears. People are going to be more and more fear uh, about these things and you know, a lot of finger pointing. Um, I heard uh, the this, this second nurse who got Ebola treating the guy who came in. You know the guy who came in from, the, from Liberia? Do you know he was an illegal? 
And he came to visit illegals, people who had overstayed their visa. That's why he, they were asked the question. They said, uh, was, was he a citizen or was he visiting citizens? And they did not answer the question. The reason they didn't answer the question was because he is not a citizen. He was not here legally, nor did he visit people that were here legally. They overstayed their visa. Got a whole lot of people who overstayed their visas and are still here. And so they came all, all, on in for that. But he knew he had the disease. Here's what's really a kicker. He knew he had the disease, but the, uh, the, the, they want you to have confidence in the, uh, what do they call it, the, uh, the protocols or the whatever formulas they got. They have protocols, you know, they apparently have a laser thermometer. They just shoot it at you and they can tell what your temperature is. Well, what's really interesting is the second nurse. Have you heard much about the second nurse who got the, the thing? Well, they're, putting a, they're blaming her for traveling because you know, she was treating the guy and she was, she was traveling on an airplane, so apparently she could have exposed a whole lot of other people uh, because she's come down with Ebola now and uh, everybody who's on the plane that she was on. But what they didn't tell you was that she called the CDC several times and told, she told them, I have a fever. But I wanted, she had a wedding to plan or something about a wedding. And, but I, she needed to fly. Is it okay? And they said, oh, yeah, you don't have a 100.4 temperature, so you're not in the high-risk group. She had a 99.5. She wasn't 100.4. 100.4 was the cutoff. So they said, yeah, go ahead. So now the CDC wants to write her off and tell her that, you know, she's, um, it's her fault. But she called not, not once. She didn't call one time. She called apparently several times. To get clarification whether it was okay for her to fly. And then she was told, go ahead. I don't know who this nurse is. I, don't, I haven't seen pictures of her. I don't even know her name is or where, do you, where she's even from or where she was flying to. But that's going over and above the call of duty, I think, on several times. Are you sure it's okay? I got a fever. It's okay if I travel? Yeah, yeah, it's okay if you travel. Don't have faith in government, folks. Let's have faith in God. And that's what we need to go out there with a message with. Have faith in God. Though a thousand may fall at your left side, a thousand may fall at your right, it will not come near you. If you ever want to read up some stuff on this, pull out some John G. Lake books. Because I believe he was uh, ministering in Africa during the bubonic plague or one of the plagues that was out there. And, um, and as far as I remember, he's the guy who said uh, when the people die, they have this bloody, frothy out of their mouth he said take that put it underneath the microscope when it touches my finger it will die and they were amazed it died now, that's a man of faith <laughs> he had a thousand perishing at his left thousand perishing at his right and it did not come near him folks do not be afraid of Ebola do not be afraid of anything else that you cannot have faith in government I don't know if you knew about this but there was a, apparently some kind of a, a flu virus or something like that that was all but wiped out here in this country, very prevalent in South America, but all but gone here. Since they brought all those trainloads of South uh, American kids, we suddenly have cases of it in elementary schools all across the country. I forget what the name of it is, but um, you could look it up if you're curious. But again, don't worry about it. These things are going on. Know that they're going on, but don't be in fear of them. You want to know that you want to stay relevant. Know that they're going on and then bring people into the faith. How come you're not worried about this? Glory to God. I got a God who's greater than Ebola. And you got, but you've got to have that confidence. And you've got to be able to make that stand. And you've got to not be moved off of it. Don't be moved. Well, we have our stand for salvation. What is salvation? How do I know that I'm saved? That's a stand that you've got to make. I am saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except by me. Make that stand. It's not popular. There are people who are not going to like it. But Jesus himself said it. I am the way. Jesus was very narrow-minded. Join him. Healing. In pestilence, plagues, pain. It don't matter. Healing. Stand. Stand on it. What do you mean you making a stand? Aren't you afraid of Ebola? Why are you flying on the plane? Aren't you afraid you're going to catch it? What if somebody else has the thing? In supply, economic woes, taxes going up, downsizing of companies. What do you say? My God is my supply. 
And that's where we, we stay. In doctrine, don't compromise, don't, uh, don't, not for compassion. Well, you've got to have compassion for these people out there. No, <laughs> this is what the Word of God says. Our God is a very compassionate God. And He says, this is the way, walk you in it. Or because you've got to be more open. You need to be more open to other things. No, I don't need to be open. This is what the Word of God says. This is what we hold on to. And stay with it. And make the stand. Having done all, stand. When he says this in this, in this verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. If we get entangled again with the yoke of bondage, we are not able to make our stand. If you want to get a person to not stand anymore, tie up their legs, tie up their hands, and push them. A whole lot easier. You tie the legs together, they can't, they can't brace themselves. They're going to tip right on over. That's what he, he wants to get you entangled. He wants to get you tied up because then it is easy for you to fall. Don't do it. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Because if we get ourselves entangled again a second time, it's a whole lot harder to get back out. Stay out of it. Stay out of that entanglement. Stay free. Walk in that freedom. Not everyone is going to follow. Not everyone's going to like that you're there. But stand fast. Father, we thank you for your word and the light that we have come into. We will stand fast in the truth, in the doctrine that you have taught us, in the liberty that you have brought us into, in the way that you have shown us. We will not give in. We will stand fast in our faith. We will not doubt. We will not waver. But we will stand. And having done all, we will continue to stand. The devil gets frustrated when he can't get us down. But we will continue to battle against him by standing fast on the things you gave us to stand on. We thank you for the help that you give us on it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.